0: Hey there. On the podcast today, I'm going to share a little bit more about my story, Um, all the fun I had in my 20s. Is this the same for you? It seems to me like if I were to give each of my decades thus far a theme, my 20s were about adventures and trying out new things and leaping off of cliffs. My 30s have been more about being settled, finding out a deeper sense of self and really looking inside more than I did in my 20s figuring out what's working for me and what's not. And my 40s seem to be about really claiming who I am on a very deep level and repairing the ways in which my deep wounds have been holding me back. That seems to be my 40s. And I, I used to have this women's circle that would meet every month. Um, COVID sort of, and I guess it just showed us that we were done with it, actually. Like we never really took it back up after that. And it just, that's okay. Some things have a, have a time in your life and then they, it's time to move on. But I had a women's circle. And most of the women in our circle were older than I was. And I remember there was somebody in her late 40s when I was in my late 30s. And she would say, oh, yeah, that's just because you're not 40 yet. And I would think, what What on earth are you talking about? Like, I'm just going to all of a sudden fall into a new pattern when I'm 40 and then life is going to be this way rather than how it was when I was in my 30s. I am an individual. I'm growing individually. Whatever I am doing is my own story. Yeah. And while that's true, it certainly is true on so many levels. It seems like the themes I put out there for 20s, 30s, and 40s, they seem to be pretty stereotypical for most of the women that I talk to. I wonder if it's the same for men. I'd love it if somebody piped in, put a comment and let me know. Anyway, it turns out I am an individual. I am uniquely me. And I'm also, you know, going through all the motions everybody else does and there seems to be kind of a rhythm to our lives. So here I am in my forties, claiming much more mm, strongly what's right for me, repairing old wounds, knowing myself so deeply. And it's kind of exciting to see what's going to happen after this. Anyway, I digress. This story that I'm sharing with you today talks about this most amazing community building event that I went to in my late 20s and how that really stemmed this craving inside of me for the retreats that I held several years later. And it also just talks about, I don't know, I guess the fun of dabbling in several different things that you make, knowing that you may never master those things, that they might just be secondary projects that you play around with and have a good time with. I also share my love of zombie apocalypse movies and books. Yeah, I love them. I'm unapologetic about that. I get a lot of cringes from people who hear that about me, but I have a go bag in my car at any moment. And I talk about why that is too, and how I'd always wished I'd been a Girl Scout. But alas, it was not in the cards. So join me for this part of my story. And next week, we're going to hear an interview from somebody that lights me up like no other. Let's get started. You're listening to the In Kinship Podcast, a podcast for makers who crave an intentional, authentic, vibrant life on their own terms. And I'm your host, Tina Vandenberg. Let's get started. This episode was brought to you by Jasmine Lace of Howell at the Loom. Jasmine is a weaver, dyer, and teacher in Northern Michigan. You can check her out at com, and that's dot com. So if you've been listening to this podcast or following me online, you know that my chosen path for making things is clothing. I like to sew clothing. I like to design patterns. I like to use natural dyes to dye the fabric. I like to do surface design on the fabrics. I like to knit. I like to embroider. I love to hand sew clothing. Clothing, 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 right? It is the modality that like sparked a passion that's been 15 years going strong. I also like to make other things. I like to make little bags, I like to make things of utility, right? So I like to make aprons that are made from wax canvas and leather and metal rivets. I like to make tool rolls and tool bags and not really a purse carrier, but I like to make things that are going to house my yarn, right? I like to make little containers for things. I actually just love little containers in general. (laughs) I don't know if you can relate, but It's so hard to let any interesting looking little glass jar go into the recycling bin. Oh, is it hard? The struggle is real. You sit there and you look at it and you think, just recycle that glass jar, Tina? You already have 500 and you live in 400 square feet of a tiny house just recycle it, and it's so hard. It's so hard to do, and I wonder if you could relate to that. I love little containers. I like to make little zippered pouches. I like to make little drawstring bags. I like to make containers for things. You know, there's probably some kind of a, some insight into my psyche there. It's like nagging at me right now. I wonder what that is. That is to be explored a different day. Today I want to talk about the other things that I love to make other than sewing, because I do love to sew, right? But I've been a maker my whole life. And again, I'm guessing you can relate to that. Often, even though textiles and clothing in general, garments, are where my making really shines and where my passion is held true for years and years and years, I also love to build things. I like to build things out of wood. I worked as a carpenter in my 20s. I like to build furniture. And I'm going to tell you right now, I have been a little too impatient in my life thus far to make anything super fine. But I would like to do that someday. That's on my bucket list. I also love to forage and gather both medicinal herbs and edibles and those things are new passions for me and they're passions that are sort of secondary passions you know what i mean like if i have a couple of hours in front of me i'm probably going to sew something but if it's a beautiful day and i'm listening to my body which is saying get outside i might grab a basket and go out and gather something and so i wonder if you have that too where you have things that are your primary thing and then you've got these secondary projects that you love to work on that are clamoring for your attention so i love to make i love to make a home i love to make food i love to can food i love to preserve i love the feeling that you get when you've got a full stack of wood in the wood pile. Your pantry is full of hand-canned goods. Your garden is growing or it's coming to an end and your freezer is full. Your laundry is hanging on the line because, I mean, why not give us the whole picture, right? I love when all of these things are occurring because it feels like, I feel so wealthy. I feel so taken care of. I feel like, okay, come what may. I've got wood for heat. I have food in the pantry and I have clean clothes. What more can I ask for? And I Sort of love zombie apocalyptic movies. I don't know if you know this about me, and it might surprise you, but I kind of adore them. And I don't think it's really because there are zombies. Not really. I do actually like the idea of like pitting yourself physically against a foe and coming out on top, right? I think that's a very natural human um, desire to know that you're strong enough, you're capable, and you can take care of yourself and your loved ones, right? I think that is inherently inside of all of us, this desire to know that about ourselves. And I think that imagining a zombie apocalypse Makes you think that maybe you could do that. Like I even wow, well, this is not where this podcast was going to go today. But I even have a go bag ready because you know I like to be prepared. I'm a bit of a Girl Scout that way. Although I did not go to Girl Scouts as a kid. I grew up in a fairly um, money challenged family, and we didn't have the money or the time to do Girl Scouts. Although I always always wanted to. I will say I digress on this. Wow, are we spinning around in circles? I was a brownie for a short amount of time, and I have to tell you, it was a little disappointed in the kind of projects you made as a brownie. Like, I wanted to go start fires with two sticks. I didn't want to make a little wash bag for your camping gear. Although in hindsight, that's actually kind of cool. And I do like having a little wash bag for my camping gear. But at the time, I wanted to learn how to survive. I wanted to learn how to use a knife and a hatchet. And, you know, I was like, what, four or five? I don't know what you are when you're a brownie, but that's what I wanted. Anyway, that's all I ever did was that one little season of brownies and then our lives changed and it was no longer a possibility. So I think maybe I have some latent Girl Scout desires inside of me. And so I love apocalyptic kind of movies. Not because I really want that to happen, because I do not. Not in any way, shape, or form. But I like to think about, could I survive if the world changed? If the world was no longer what we know it right now? And it's also one of the reasons that I love to backpack. I remember the first time I ever backpacked, I was in Alaska. I was 21 years old. I had moved from Michigan to Alaska. It was my first trip, really, ever. I moved there for three years. And I remember backpacking and thinking, wow. I can live off everything that I'm carrying on my back right now. I remember that feeling of empowerment, that feeling of, yeah, I've got this. And I think that finding that feeling in whatever you're doing, because I also get that same feeling when I sew clothing and I get that same feeling when I can really good food, that sense of I'm capable, I can take care of myself and my loved ones. I mean, could I really live out in the woods forever using my backpack? maybe not. I don't know. I'm not discrediting that. Would it be difficult? And is that an unknown? Yeah, it's an unknown. I'd have to figure out how to snare animals and um, figure out my little hand fishing. I have a little hobo fishing pole. Oh my God, it's so cute. I'm gonna put it in the show notes so you can see. It's in my grow bag. Anyway, that feeling of empowerment that comes from I just did this thing is exactly why I make It's why I built a deck or built the steps onto my house. It's why I bought a little house on wheels and renovated it with the help of some friends. It's why I worked as a carpenter. It's why I sew clothing. It's why I look at something and think, hmm, I bet you I can make that. It's not because everything I make is better than what I can buy, because it's certainly not the case usually. Sometimes it is, but not always. There are definitely artisans and crafts that are doing something with more mastery than I am. Probably not sewing clothing, because that is an area where I have found mastery. But definitely in furniture making, as an example, my skills are pretty rudimentary. But I can make some things like a workbench, or a deck, or a beehive. And if I put my mind to it, I'm positive I could make fine furniture, except with the time and energy into it, right? And there's only so much time and energy in this world. So I bet you can relate in a sense of empowerment that leads me to be a teacher as well. I want my students to go from thinking, I don't know that I can do this or I don't know how to do this. And some of them come to a class with me and they are like, I am not capable of doing this. There's no way I'm going to get there. And we work through that time together, and I love that sense of lightness that they leave with, that sense of power, that sense of pride. And they're like, I just did this thing that I didn't think I could do. Or maybe they thought they could do it, but like they're just excited that they did. They're excited that they proved themselves right. That's why I teach completely. A quick word from our sponsor. A special thanks to our sponsor, Jasmine Lace with Howl at the Loom. Jasmine has been weaving in Northern Michigan for over 10 years, prioritizing primarily locally grown and processed fibers or upcycled materials. She has a passion for spreading her love of textiles. You can head to her website to check out the classes that she's teaching in the area. Her home on the web is howlattheloom.com. And now back to our show. It brings me so much joy to watch somebody else light up that way. Because it's a feeling that I get as well. And back to those zombie apocalyptic movies. What I really want in those movies is for everyone to come together in the end, defeat the foe, and build a cute little community where maybe there's a, you know, square dance on Saturdays. And everyone's canning together. And everyone's got a quilting bee. And they're doing a barn raising. You know, all the things that feel idyllic and community-based and really beautiful. Yeah, that's what I really want. And I'm so disappointed that The Walking Dead has not gotten to that point yet. I mean, for crying out loud, eventually they have to defeat these zombies. I'm ready for them to settle in and figure out who's going to be what kind of an artisan of what kind of thing. That's what I'm wanting for crying out loud. Is that so much to ask for? All right, so I have my go bag. And then my go bag is because now I'm an adult. I get to do whatever kind of Girl Scout thing I want to do. So inside of my grow bag, there's flint and steel, which I've practiced many times. I can now light a fire using flint and steel. (laughs) There's water filters. There's a big old intimidating knife for, you know, cutting roots or mushrooms (laughs) or foraging of some kind. There's my hobo fishing pole, which I'm excited to show you. It's so beautiful. And I've caught two perch on it, I'll have you know and everybody on the lake also knew, because I was elated that this little fishing pole that everyone scoffs at, because it's, you know, eight inches long, caught a couple of keeper perch that I ate with gusto once they were cooked. So it has all of those things. It's got a little rocket-type stove that is fed with wood. It's got a little pot. It has all the little containers, as you might imagine, that I love, and it gives me that sense But if I had to, I could grab my boy, I could grab my go bag, and we could survive. Is that true? I don't know, but we're going to give it one heck of a try, if that ever were to come to pass. And hopefully it doesn't, but I like knowing that I'm ready and capable. All right, I digress. So you know that picture I painted of the zombie apocalypse, where all the zombies are defeated, and... Now everyone is living in this harmonious, beautiful um, farm, obviously, and they're raising barns and they're sewing quilts together and they're in community and they're canning together and there's a lot of together, right? Well, together is what I crave as well. Not only am I a maker, but I'm somebody who wants to be in community with other like-minded people. That doesn't mean we have to agree on everything. Because really, there's something really interesting and infuriating about being with somebody who's got a different mindset than you. But it's where we grow, right, is having conversations that might boil our blood just a little bit. Maybe not boil, maybe just steam it. (laughs) Maybe boiling is a little much. But if we can sit in that space and have those kind of conversations, I think that we expand as people and that maybe we begin to understand somebody else's viewpoint a little bit better. Because honestly, we're not that different. We all want love. We all want safety. We all want security. We all want mastery over what we're doing. We all want to feel capable, everyone. And so if we can come together and we can have conversation, I think we're that much closer to that happening. So I mentioned that in my 20s, I was a carpenter. After I was a carpenter, I opened a bookstore, which was a fabulous experience. Like one of the best gut instinct decisions I'd ever made. Although I'm going to tell you too, moving to Alaska was also a gut instinct and it was fantastic. The only thing that brought me back from Alaska really was the fact that I was a brand new aunt, and I missed my family deeply. And so I came back. And after I had the bookstore in 2007, when we were in our recession, I had to close it. And when I closed it, I was feeling very listless and very sad because I had been doing work that totally lit me up. I've been doing work that, while not paying a whole lot, made me excited for every single day that I went to work. And in that transition time before I found the next work that I found, which By the way, it took a couple of years for me to find something I adored again. It took working this job and working that job and meandering my way until I found something I adored. But before then, before I picked up that next job, a friend of mine who I met at the bookstore was having a wooden tapered wall yurt built on their property. They were bringing in an expert from the East Coast, William Copperthwaite. He has since passed on, but at the time I believe he was in his eighties and they had asked me if I wanted to participate. It was a two week long build. Everyone was coming and they were donating their time. We could stay there on their farm. They were gonna provide us delicious, and I mean, so delicious food. And we were going to work collectively to build this tapered wall wooden yurt. If you're not familiar with Bill Copperthwaite, I suggest reading his book, A Handmade Life. He's got a lot of really beautiful insight on adding meaning to your life, kind of what we're doing here. So at that yurt build, where I stayed for two weeks and made new friends and had the most wonderful time, we built a yurt using primarily hand tools, not completely, There were some power tools involved, but for the most part, Bill really advocated for using hand tools because it gave you the opportunity to do meaningful work and you could slow the whole process down. So it allowed more people to be involved, right? Power tools need a little bit more of a learning curve sometimes than simple hand tools do. So it allowed you to work with your hands, build something of use, something of utility, and also be in connection and community with other people. So I can remember distinctly the day that we did the cedar shake roof. All of the cedar shakes had to be hand shaped to fit around this round structure. And so we worked in teams and there were maybe four or five teams on the roof that day. And each of us were in our little station and we had just the right tools and we had just the right storage spots. And each person was shaping their their cedar shakes. And then the next person in your team was attaching them to the roof. And all around that whole roof was banter and laughter and deep conversation. And I thought, I'm missing this in my life, and I want more of it. And when I had the bookstore, I had moments of it, right? So I had had artist gatherings. It was also an art gallery and bookstore. So I had art gallery. I had author readings. I had book club meetings. I had all sorts of reasons to celebrate and to bring people together. But that was just on occasion, and this was two full weeks of it. And I thought, I want more of that in my life. And I spent the next five or six years craving that community, that connection that I had found by working together with our hands on that yurt. And by the way, if you want to see a picture of that yurt we build, I'll put that in the show notes too. It's stunning. And so my desire to create retreats for women in particular, because I generally teach women how to sew clothing, was born from that that need that craving of mine to gather with other people and work with our hands and it's so fun to see where life takes you right so i began that path by researching retreats and not finding quite what i wanted and then i built several different retreats that i absolutely adored but that didn't go because i didn't have an audience i didn't have people that knew about me i was still working through all of that and then i finally had a retreat that worked it had the right location and it's been beautiful. So we meet on Mackinac Island twice a year at this point. And I think probably there'll be a different retreat in the summer sometime, someplace outdoors, maybe involving weaving baskets and gathering medicinal herbs. I don't know, that sounds really exciting. Oh, and some hand stitching probably. Yeah. Anyway, the retreats were born from that desire. And it was around the same time that I started to teach women how to sew clothing. And I say women primarily because I think I've only taught two men in all the time I've been teaching, which has been more than a decade. I'd love to teach men. In fact, if you're listening to this before this happens, in the fall of 2023, I'm going to be teaching at the Michigan Folk School in Ann Arbor. And we're going to make a wool vest, and a wax canvas work apron. And that's completely unisex. So if you have an interest in learning, come on over and join me. I'm really excited for that class because it's a little different than what I've been doing. And you know how it is when you're making something, it gets pretty exciting when you get to sort of dive into something new. And so the retreats have fully kicked off. And they're one of my favorite things on the planet. And they bring me all the community I was hoping for. And I bring in this mindfulness component that I can't necessarily bring in in the same way when I teach a small class. And it brings all the things that I love together. And we have just the best time. Deep conversation, women's circles in the morning, a little bit of journaling, a little bit of dance. So much fun. So from that venture, from learning how to have retreats and trying to figure out how to get my word out there in this wide world that we live in that has been made so much smaller by the internet, I discovered teaching online. I've been teaching in person for a while, which I absolutely adored, and I discovered teaching online. And I'll tell you, teaching online, especially if it has a live component, we meet on Zoom or some equivalent, has so much more connection than I ever suspected it would. It's been such a rewarding venture. And then I wove my way through online workshops and online six week long courses and having a membership that was on a monthly basis and working through what worked well for me, what didn't work well for me, what I adored doing and what I found to be drudgery. And I just think that isn't that the way of life? You get this little thread, no pun intended, absolutely a pun intended, by the way and you pull on it and you follow it and you never know where it's going to take you. Had you told me that I would be teaching online and loving it, I'd have told you you're crazy. If you'd have told me that I was going to do a podcast and I'd committed to it for at least a year, I'd have told you you're crazy. Like, what do I have to say? Oh God, do I have a lot to say? Anyway, coming up, I have interviewed some super interesting people people that you might know people that you probably don't know at all, but everyone has a story and it's been really lovely to get to know people's story. And I can't wait to share them with you. Thanks for being here in my community. Thanks for being part of why I started my business in the very beginning to empower and allow people to know that they are more capable than they might think, or to just show them away. If they think that they are capable and they're like, and now I know this new thing, I've got this new tool on my tool belt and also to create community. And this podcast is absolutely an extension of that desire for community that came from starting the retreats in the first place. I hope that you are out there listening to this podcast. Maybe you're walking, maybe you're driving, maybe you're making dinner, and that's all awesome too. But I hope that some of you are knitting or hand sewing or carving a spoon or engaging in whatever it is that you adore doing. Because that's exactly what my vision is is for this podcast and I hope that's what's happening out in the world all right thanks for being here today next week I'm going to bring you an interview with a very special human and I cannot wait for you to feel that specialness come right through your earbuds all right check out the show notes there are a lot of pictures in this one and I also will include any links to things that we talked about today I hope you have the best day. well that's our show for today and I want to thank you for spending your time with me I don't take that lightly. I know there are a lot of places you can spend your time and energy, and would you do me a favor? Would you jump on your favorite podcast listening platform and subscribe? And then when you've done that, leave me a review as well. Reviews are the best way for me to reach new people, and I want to reach more people. I want to have deep conversations with all of you makers out there, and I want to be in community with you. So if you could help me, I would appreciate it. All right. Have yourself a lovely day and share what you're making. And a special thanks to our sponsor, Jasmine Lace with Howell at the Loom. Jasmine is a weaver, a dyer, and a teacher here in Northern Michigan. You can check out what she's up to at howellattheloom.com.